Welcome to SVU Pod Especially Heinous. Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Tasha. I'm Gabe. Okay. This week we are on season four, episode six, Angels. Okay, ready? Tasha, don't even, don't go on a spiral about it yet. I won't. We are in the opening scene. We're at an airport and a bus driver with a nicely lined up Backstreet Boys influenced chin strap beard is apologizing mm-hmm. for being late to like this entire crowd of people. They're like, we want our fucking luggage. Mm-hmm. There was a ton of traffic and he's opening the luggage compartments like on the bottom of the bus. He opens the last hatch and there's a young boy lying there and he's like, call 911. And his supervisor pops around his shoulder and he's like, oh my God, a fucking dead kid. And this nurse comes through the crowd and she's like, okay, Jesus Christ, hang Mm -hmm. on a second. And she checks and says that the boy is barely breathing and doesn't have a pulse. So she starts CPR. Mm -hmm. Stabler comes on the scene and is talking to a Queens SVU detective. Her name's Katie Moore. She has an aspirational, confident air about her that that mm-hmm. I don't like if you could bottle it, it would just be worth a fortune. But she tells I Staves, it. I would drink it every day. Oh, just do your thing. Oh, I wish I could just do You love that so much. I do. She tells Staves that the boy unfortunately died. He was a Hispanic little dude about nine or 10, no ID. And he suffocated to death. Corner Warner's there and says that it was carbon monoxide poisoning, obviously from riding in this compartment under the bus. Yeah. SVU was called in because Corner Warner found blood and fluids in his underwear. Here we go, Tasha. Tasha hates these. I mean, everybody does. But yeah. We're just going to do it every time we have these. I'm like surprised, surprised that it's not about a nice Swiss family Robinson treehouse home or something. Like, no, this is SVU. It's This is what it's about. You guys are probably going to hear me talking a lot more. Okay. The kid has a cut on his left arm and a bunch of bruising on his chest and back as well. SVU Detective Katie called Stabes because the bus left Manhattan. So the kid was assaulted on Manhattan SVU turf. She had to explain this to Stabler. She's like, what the fuck am I doing in Queens, Katie? Yeah, she's like, are you getting me back for whatever? And she's like... Yes, and the victim is also technically yours. I felt a little yeah. sexual tension between them, but then I was oh, like, Oh, I didn't feel sexual tension. I felt fucking Staler probably was an ass, and she was like, Here you go, bitch. Sure. She pretty much walked away with a middle finger in the air. You know yeah, what I mean? The only reason she strutted so hard away from him, but the only reason she, I think I felt like a sexual energy is because Stabler's ass was in the scene. <laughs> Well, they just like made Soup's deep eye contact and then they were talking with their noses pressed together. (laughs) Anyway, theme song. At the airport bus station still, Benson and Stabler are talking to the manager guy, somebody. He says the bus was out of commission for a while the night before. He also shows them a huge hole cut in the chain link fence around the parking lot. Mm -hmm. He says that there's a lot of sex workers and runaway kids coming in and out of there. So they patch it all the time. So it's like frosh. Benson notices a gigantic piece of flannel fabric hanging on it. <laughs> it's as big as a flag. It was the entire shirt. It was the whole shirt. Like, oh, look what I found. It was an outfit. There was a hat. There was a scarf. <laughs> little socks. It was a boat cover that matched the <laughs> full suit. It was a fucking yellow poncho. <laughs> 
so she snags that up. She's like, this could be something. The mm-hmm. hole is probably how the kid got in. The manager guy then shows Benson and Stabler where the bus was parked before it left for JFK. And Stabler's like, what? And gets into this awkward position like <laughs> under the bus and behind a wheel. And he's like, I found something. He pulls out this teddy bear and it looks like there's dried blood on it. There's trash all over this parking lot. There's like bits of trash. There's bigger things, smaller things, but they found the exact pieces of evidence that they needed right away and didn't touch anything else unless they cut it out for time. Who knows? So they think that the dried blood could be from the kid's cut on his arm. There's also glass embedded in this teddy bear, okay? Benson asks the manager guy if there's any broken windows around there. And he's like, well, there's always vandalism going on, so we had to put it in cameras. And they're like, cool, let's go look at the security footage that can answer all of the questions that you just said I don't know to and we just wasted our time asking you. They're like talking to this guy for like 15 minutes and he's like, I don't know, beep, boop, boop. I don't know. Well, I didn't see anything. Well, who knows? Could we come through that hole? It could be anybody. We do have video of all of it though. They're like, cool. Yeah. Shouldn't with that, you piece of shit. Great. Awesome. So in the squad room, the whole gang is watching the security tapes. It looks like an older boy helps the younger boy through the hole in the fence. The older boy's flannel gets caught on the fence and rips and you see it. And the little boy was also holding a teddy bear. They take note that it doesn't look like the boy was forced to go through the fence. So now they're like coming up with different theories about what's going on. The older boy could be helping the young boy or he could be luring the young boy to rape him and stowed him away in the luggage compartment. But there's no bruises on his hands or knees, which usually means somebody was sodomized, which is just fucked up. You know what I mean? I never even like thought of that. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think that's necessarily true in all cases. I think they're, they're just spitballing right now. Yeah. yeah. But the rape could have happened on a different bus. If that's true, the already contaminated crime scene is on its way to another airport along with the perp. Stabler is going to call the bus company and Port Authority to put everybody on alert. And right now, Olivia is at missing persons. Craig mm-hmm. wants Benson and Stabler to meet at the morgue because Coroner Warner maybe can help them ID the victim. So now we're in the ME office. Coroner Warner tells Benson and Stabler that the blood on the teddy bear matches the little boy. And they have him laying on the slab and whatever. It's really sad. Yeah. She also found out that the glass that she found on the teddy bear and the kid's arm is some sort of tempered safety glass. Coroner Warner doesn't think that he was like a homeless street kid or a runaway. He's disease-free, looks like he recently bathed, and is pretty well-nourished and had dental work done. So they have a forensic orthologist on staff named Noah, and it's the fucking Yellow King from True Detective. Did you notice that? No, I'm glad that you did, though. I was like, I mean, I recognize him. I was like, why have I seen this guy before? And then I Mm -hmm. saw in your notes that you... I did. I never do. Yeah. So this guy, his real name or his actor name, yeah, his real fucking name is Glenn Flesher. Mm -hmm. He comes back in a few more episodes. I normally don't deep dive because I don't really care, but like fucking watch anything this dude is in. He's fucking amazing, especially True Detective season one. So he tells... Oh, he's so creepy. I just love this guy. It's it's cool to see him like younger too. Mm-hmm. Okay. He tells Benson Stabler that the victim's dental work is pretty extensive. They will be able to find the orthodontist that did the work because the implant is custom made and will have an ID on it. Corner Warner calls Benson and Stabler over. Benson kind of walks off to answer the phone. Corner Warner tells Stabler that the rape kit came back and there was semen. Also, she found suture scars on his anus. It looks like somebody has been violently abusing this kid for a while. Benson gets off the phone and tells him that they got to take off because they may have found the perp. At the bus station, Munch and Toots are talking to a bus driver that we hadn't met yet. And she is, I love her. She's actor Yvette Mercedes. 
This mm-hmm. is her first of three SVU appearances. She also played a woman experiencing homelessness in The Fucking Sopranos. Really? Oz and The Sopranos. I love her too. voice. Oh my God. She like I do too. It's so cute. A couple of times she like squeaked and I was like, <gasps> I love that. I put that. So when I'm going to like do somebody's voice, I always in italics above it. So I remember what their voice sounds like. And I put squeaky at the end, New Yorky voice. <laughs> yes. It's so cute. So Munch and Toots show her a photo of this kid, right? She goes, pulled him 45 minutes ago. One of the passengers was this kid, but I don't remember him getting on. And then they're talking a little more. And she goes, anyway, I asked to see his ticket stub and he bolts. He must have been hiding on the bus. (laughs) So she chased him after he took off and he got away. There's a cop there helping as well. They're all looking for this kid. Benson has a cop dog sniff the piece of the shirt that she got that was ripped off the fence to try and find the kid. Oh, my God. It's that little King Charles Cavalier. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a regular. No, it's a, it's a German Shepherd. Yeah. And I, I know I've talked about this a bunch before, but like every time I see animals. I know. I know. I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, that German Shepherd's been dead for it's so It's the long. poster of the horses on my wall. <laughs> Yeah. The dog leads them to the luggage carousel. The dog hops up on that thing, which leads right out to the tarmac. So everybody follows the dog out there. And there the dog finds the kid hiding with some luggage. Kid's like, whoop, and he takes off. They grab him. Just before a squad car fucking almost clips him. Right. The kid is crying and freaking out and begging to go home. This fucking kid. Okay. In the Port Authority headquarters, Benson and Stabler are talking to this kid. They're like, you're in a bunch of trouble. The kid's like, whatever, deport me. And they're like, we don't deport killers. And he's like, I didn't kill anybody. And then they ask him what happened to his friend. And he sounds sad and confused. And he's like, Jose, he's dead. And then they're like, okay, you know what? We're starting over. Mm. So this kid's name is Ernesto Diaz. He tells them that Jose is just a friend. They're not related. And they're both from Guatemala. Ernesto got here two years ago on a boat. This kid is like fucking bald. He's got just these huge crocodile tears. He's an amazing little actor. Oh, he's so I don't know if he was in anything else, but he should have fucking... Not really. Like, I kind of looked into everybody and this kid had a handful of credits. But nothing recognizable. But yeah, he was great. I don't know how to interrupt this. This is me in post because I deep dove on this kid as I was editing this. This actor's name is Pablo Santos, and he actually died in a plane crash in 2006. And that's why we haven't seen him since then. All right, back to this super fun episode. Wee! SVU pod! Boop! So his parents sent him to America to go to school and the charity was supposed to protect him, but gave him to the quote man. And Jose just got in last month. This man told Ernesto that he was quote, getting too old to please him, which is just, he tells Benson Saylor that the man kept him locked up and made them have sex with him and beat them up when they said no. He tried to escape one other time, but the man told Ernesto he'd kill Jose and Ernesto's parents. He was trying to save Jose. Ernesto tells him that the dude's name is Brett Jansen, but he made them call him dad oh yeah munch toots benson stabler are doing a walk and talk in the port authority they had contact with the center for missing and exploited children they have no record of these kids or anybody asking them about these kids and the ins has no visas for them they were smuggled in so brett jansen works on wall street as a partner for stitt beam and cornell it's some wall street fancy law firm thingy mm-hmm. right okay yeah The detectives also have his home address. Yes, Toots already had called Brett's office, and he isn't there. He's probably out looking for the boys. They're going to get a warrant for Brett's house. At Brett Jansen's loft, 
this dude has a crazy militarized amount of security, okay? Mm-hmm. His door weighs like a thousand pounds. There's a million deadbolts on it. It's like magnetic. Yeah. yeah. It's soundproof. The floors are soundproof. They can tell because it's raised from like the regular floor. So there's soundproofing put in it that he did himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like serious about his shit. Super serious yeah. about the security. They see a broken window and the window is also secured. Yeah, it has like tempered glass, but then also has a mesh inside of it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know a, I mean? and has a soundproofing to it as well. Toots comes out from the back and he's like, yeah, the boys' rooms also have insane locks on them. All of a sudden a CSU guy runs up who I would totally not have sex with. <laughs> Just kidding. I would. He is my early aughts dream dude. Do you remember this guy? I don't, I don't even remember. Okay, him at there all. are so many frosted tips in this episode, and it starts with him. This is reoccurring character CSU Tech Georgie. He's in 13 episodes of SVU. He's been, I don't know what he did this episode that made him stand out to me, but I am not mad at him. Mm, I did not notice. That's too bad. He comes in and says that they found the guy who owns the place. He's in bed. And they all walk into this bedroom to see dead fucking Brett laying on the bed, throat slit, and a missing dong. First, first missing dick. dick. First missing dick of season four. I was watching it and I slammed my hands on the table and I went, finally. Dude, when 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 Stabler lifted the thing, he was like, his family jewels are missing. And then his face was like, a goo. Oh, like he made I'm it sorry. Real, like, Do you want to take a look at it? Because I took a video of it. All right. Yes. I, oh, my Stabler, God. I so Stabler lifts up the sheet and he goes, sliced off the family jewels. And he like twiddled his gloved fingers. <laughs> We do find out later, I'm going to say this, we do find out later that it was strictly his balls that were cut off. But I was so excited about the missing dick. And again, my theory continues to hold water. The only ones that lose their dicks are the worst of the worst. Hmm. Are you sure it was just the balls? I mean, I know they talked about the balls a lot, but are you sure? It It was, yeah, it was just the balls. His dick was there. Balls, gone. (laughs) You're like, no, it was just his balls. His dick was there. I Fuck this guy and his missing balls. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Okay. <laughs> On the other side of the glass, in Craigan's own interrogation room, interrogation room inception. <laughs> <laughs> This goes on forever. So Ernesto's on the other side of the glass in the interrogation room. Uh, he had bruises all over his body, and he had some permanent damage from being repeatedly sodomized for over two years. Ugh. So Wong comes in with Benson and says that it's possible Ernesto did this, considering Brett used his genitals as a weapon, and cutting off his junk would be the ultimate protection. The problem is there's a ton of blood everywhere, and Ernesto didn't have any on his clothes. There were traces of blood in the shower, so the person had to know enough to clean up after himself. And Stabler doesn't think that like a 14-year-old traumatized boy would do that or follow that through, you know? Yeah. Also, I think they're speaking from experience, because it's not impossible yeah. that a kid that age would be like, I need to clean this up but also he's lived in this horrific situation Mm -hmm. and i mean just psychologically from like shit that i've seen or whatever it's like there's like an internalized like get the fuck out of here i gotta get out of here because there's still a chance that they might not be able to get out of there right yeah huang wants olivia to go in there because this kid was abused by a man and he tells her to give him all of the approval and affection she can he's pretty much like nobody else go in there besides fucking olivia yeah. Benson walks in th- into the interrogation room. Oh, I feel so bad for poor little Ernesto. Like, yeah. this is awful. So in her, like, most Olivia voice, she tells little Ernesto that everything that happened isn't his fault and that he tried to save Jose and he's very brave for doing that and that most kids his age wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. 
but Ernesto, oh, he's, he's fucking tears. I don't know how he like got them to be so huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Ernesto blames himself for Jose dying, and Benson is just begging him to tell her what happened that night. Ernesto says that Brett went into Jose's room, and he could hear Jose crying and begging Brett to stop. So Ernesto started yelling at Brett and calling him a pig. Brett was pissed, came into Ernesto's room, and dragged him out of bed. Ernesto kept hitting him and hitting him, and Brett was just laughing at him and said that when he gets done with Jose, Ernesto was going to know what real pain is like. (sighs) He went back into Jose's room, and Jose was crying again, and Brett told him that if he didn't shut up, he was going to send them to the other men. Benson's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Has Brett ever sent you to the other men? Ernesto's afraid to answer. She tells him that no one can hurt him as long as he's with SVU, which I am so sick of them fucking saying that, because something always happens. Ernesto tells Benson that sometimes other men would take him for a while and then bring him back, and he did not want that to happen to Jose. All that pressure on a little kid, dude. I know. On the other side of the glass, Wong, Craig, and Stabler are just like, oh my fucking God, it's a fucking pedophile ring. Full-blown pedophile ring. They need to figure this shit out quick because who knows how many boys they're passing around right now. Wong says that the level of rage in Brett's murder could actually have been jealousy, especially if they were sharing boys. Like maybe one of his buddies took Ernesto and didn't want to give him back. Toots pops in and says it gets even worse. They found some shit in Brett's house. Oh my God, there are fucking videotapes. Probably made in Central America. One of the tapes has this little kid sitting on a couch with Brett and then another man with some tattoos. You never see his face. Hands the boy a present to open. Stabler reminds us that he's a dad in this moment, but I'm not mad at him for it this time. Yeah. Because he says, no older than my 10-year-old son. And right off the bat, I want to be like, Jesus, Stabler. But also, I'm there too. Right. So I don't fault you for this time. Yeah. I mean, I know throughout the seasons, you really see like Stabler's pure rage for pedophiles, which mm-hmm. I, I mean, of course, everybody does. But he always almost ruins every case that happens because he like <laughs> punches somebody in the fucking kidneys, you know, and they're, st- and they're still like, you're on this one, Stabes. And he's like, cool, I'm going to do it by the book this time. And they're right. like, and they're like, I trust you, buddy. Like, okay, <laughs> you can do it. The brass has been up your ass 17 times, but I, I, I trust you. I'm going to I'm going to fuck this up and almost blow this whole thing 13 or 14 more times. But <laughs> fingers crossed. Right. I'm going to break this guy's fucking nose. Yeah. Toots also found some bogus adoption papers for Ernesto and Jose. They also fucking find bulletins from NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, and their fucking constitution. All that shit they feel like is just a how-to guide for pedophiles. Yeah. It tells them, like, how to, you know, hide all their shit and, like, how to talk to other people and how to just whatever. It's, I ended up going down a little bit of a K-hole about I uh, almost did last night and I was like I'm not getting flagged by the police. See, and I did cuz and I think that too whenever I like google some shit. First of all, look at the rest of my search history. I'm doing the case in my head where they for some reason want to look at my hard drive and they're like, "Wow, what's this?" and I'm like, "I have proof that it lines up to an episode of SVU that I did a podcast about." So <laughs> I'm going to get my name cleared. But yeah, so I I read about it. Zero fear for my own freedom. What does that but say about me if I It's disturbing. What do you mean? What does that What does that say about me? If what does I what say about you? Freedom? You said zero fear for your freedom. Because I have an alibi that I I like went through in my head that I was like, no, this is okay if I look at nambla.org. But also I did it so nobody else would have to and we could talk about it if we needed to because I don't want them to be getting fucking internet traffic to their bullshit site. Yeah. 
which is also like I didn't click Ugh. on any of the links. It's just it's just it's excuses for abusing kids. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's to quell their tiny bit of a conscience that goes, this probably isn't okay. And right. it's just dudes telling other dudes that it is. And it's not. We all agree on that, right? Yeah. Consent. They can't consent. Ugh, okay. So our First Amendment rights allow them to have this content, but they work in these cells and no one group can finger another. And uh, I think Munch likened it to like Al-Qaeda or something. Yeah. Nambla also fucking claims that they can, quote, help boys as young as three discover their sexuality in a loving and nurturing way. And, quote, Stabler says, look, let's be honest. Killing Brett was a public service. And we're all like, yeah. <laughs> And then they all high five and go to Mulligan's for half beers. They were like, we yeah. don't need to find out who killed this guy because who fucking cares? Just kidding. Right. They need to find these other pieces of shit. Yeah. Cragen says finding Brett's murder could lead them to other men and their victims. Yeah. So Cragen just said what I said, but in a captain-y way. <laughs> so Cragen says to Benson Slabler in the morning, they need to go to Brett's law office to track down Brett's friends. Toots just got off the phone with Coroner Warner and she got the dentist who worked on Jose's teeth. At the dental office of Dr. Walt Massey, Munch and Toots are talking to Dr. Walt. They tell him that Jose and his dad are dead and that Brett was murdered in his apartment. Walt, the dentist, asks about Ernesto. They say that he's fine and they ask if Brett ever made referrals to him, but he's like, no, I'm not accepting any new clients. So dentist Walt says he admired Brett for adopting the boys. He took really great care of them and wanted the best for them. He also said that Brett did seem slightly impatient because he said he wanted all of their dental work done at once. Brett had told them that he had gotten picked on when he was a kid for having metal braces and didn't want that to happen to his boys. I don't trust this motherfucker. I don't either. Take your fucking shirt off. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you want to see if he has those tattoos? Yeah. He Benson looks is- like, for, he's got a classic creepy face. Yeah. And the, the fact that he was asking about Ernesto and stuff, I'm like, how do you know these people so well? Sorry, actor, this guy. But yeah, your face says exactly what we think it does. Benson mm-hmm. and Stabler are now talking to Brett's secretary at Brett's law office. I don't trust you either, motherfucker. Take your shirt off. Just kidding. <laughs> she seems fine. She's super upset because she says that he was a great boss. She kept a daily schedule on his computer, but Mr. Jensen kept a separate lawyer's diary of his own. I bet he did. Uh This lady says that Brett doesn't even have kids, so she doesn't know what they're talking about. They must have him confused with someone else. Mm -hmm. He also didn't really have friends because he worked so much. Do you know how much work you have to do to make partner? You know how many hours you have to bill? There's a lunch scheduled with a client named Stuart Lynch. So at the Metropolis Club, which I was like, okay, is this like they would get dinner at this club, but it's also a gym. There's like rock climbing. Everybody's like rock climbing. Yeah, it's no, it's like an athletic club with a restaurant. Well, or is I guess it just lunch. Like I they- don't know. You can probably get like arugula salads and stuff. I don't know. You can rock okay. climb and get smoothies. Benson and Stabler are talking to the Stewart guy. Everyone's rock climbing. Anyways, this dude says Brett was a real ladies' man and he was soups jealous. I rappel down from the top of the rock wall, <laughs> screaming, "Take your shirt off!" <laughs> <laughs> I'm over there, like, holding the support rope, like, looking over it. <laughs> you better take your fucking... Listen to her. I'm afraid of heights. This guy's like, fucking Brett doesn't have kids, dude. He's always fucking different chicks. He's like, we only talk about my kids. I could just brag about them forever. And I was like, here we go. This guy's a fucking perv, too. Everybody's a yeah. fucking perv. The towel boy was a perv. Everybody. There's a guy driving by in a cab outside. We don't see him. He's completely off camera. <laughs> fucking perv. <laughs> Take your you're shirt like, off! You're like throwing rocks at this car. Take your fucking shirt off! <laughs> and I'm just behind you like, yeah! 
<laughs> Gabe's like, take your pants off too. Not these guys though. We're not doing no, that with I these don't. guys. He doesn't think Brett would be a really good dad because he gets pissed like really easily about dumb stuff. That like normal dudes wouldn't fucking let him bother you. The only other guy that Lynch knew that Brett hung out with was some dude named Tony Damon. They also ask him if he's ever been in Brett's apartment, and he says no. Benson Saylor thank him and start to walk away. Then he says, by the way, it's Dr. Lynch. And I'm like, okay, Stilly. Yeah. And Saylor's like, oh, I didn't know. What are you a doctor of? He says he's a reconstructive surgeon. His specialty is hand repair. Here's where I was like, it's obvious this guy, right? Because like, like, why draw attention to yourself? Yeah. Um, actually. Yeah. So they asked him where he was the night of the murder, and he said he was in the operating room from 10 p.m. till dawn, reattaching some fingers. Toots jumps in and goes, fangers. Fangers. So now they're talking to Tony Damon. (gasps) As soon as it cut to this scene, again, hand slam on the table. I was like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. Yep. It's Will Arnett, you guys. Yep. We don't even have to address who he is, right? Yeah. I always forget how much range this guy actually has. Oh. He's so funny, and he also is really good at playing a creep. Yes. I just fucking love Will Arnett. And, like, serious, too. What is that one show? God, I watched it for a couple seasons where he plays an alcoholic, like, going to AA and shit. I don't know. And then I don't want to give anything away, so I'm not going to, like, leave what I, whatever. But every it, time I see, every time I see him, I want to be like, babe. Babe, 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 babe. <laughs> um, was it from Hot Rod? Yeah. <laughs> what are you yelling at? Babe. All I'm going to say uh, is please get mono and binge watch Arrested Development if you haven't. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then start watching that show that you told me to watch, The Murderville. Oh, my God. Yeah. Now he's in that fucking Murderville show, which is so it's fucking funny. improv. It's just improv. It's so it's good. It's awesome. And it's with like famous people that don't really know. It's not scripted. They have to like just kind of go with everything. And I know we all know that he has a very distinctive voice. And I'm not even going to start to try and attempt to do it because I need to use like a voice. I, I, I would need to pull out a talk boy to be able to do Will Arnett's yeah. voice. Also his podcast with fucking what's his face and the other guy. Yeah. The Smartless um, podcast. Smartless. It's uh-huh. fucking hilarious. Okay. It is. Also he's rocking some sweet frosted tips. <laughs> Early 2000s. Wet Hot American Summer. That's so funny that you brought up Wet Hot. But no, he's uh, not. Okay. Why is it so funny? You'll find out. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. It's not going to be. Is it the can be, of beans, it's, it's, is it? Is it the can of beans in it? The can. Does he make an appearance? <laughs> and Stabler's like. It's in okay. the backseat of Stabler's squad car. He's like, shut up back there. <laughs> Here he's Tony Damon. He says he was just getting back into town two nights ago from Chicago. I'm not going to say shy town. I don't, I don't know why, know why that's in your that. notes like that. I'm sorry. I don't like it. Let me be. Just let me live. <laughs> I apologize. He says that he and Brett played squash a couple of times a week, but didn't hang out after or anything. He's wearing a full squash uniform as well, like the little shorts and the white shoes Mm -hmm. and stuff. He works a lot and spends his time at home. And Benson's like, come on, guy, you probably know something about him. And the dude turns around and says, he had a strange, see, I can't even do it. He had a strange sense of humor. Friday, we're in a match. I serve an ace to him and he laughs. Says it was a lucky shot because I usually play like a woman and that he should have cut off my balls years ago. Ooh, weird because the dude's balls got cut off. And it's like, we didn't even say that his balls were cut off. Weird. Mm-hmm. In the ME office, Corner Warner tells Benson and Stabler that Brett's genitals weren't cut off per se. They were surgically excised before death. And oh my God, it made me think of the movie Hard Candy with Elliot Page. Me too. Oh my God. I was going to, I almost put that in my notes. 
Yeah. I was like, is this like, okay, yeah. Oh my God, I'm so glad. I love that fucking movie. So the perp knocked fucking Brett unconscious and probably still has the weapon. Mm -hmm. So the slits to the throat were in specific places like the carotid arteries on either side of his neck or I don't know if there's two. I can't remember. So Dr. Lynch, you know, Stewie Lynch would know how to do surgery on someone's junk and sew it up because he's a reconstructive surgeon. Yeah. Back at the squad room, Benson and Stabler run up the stairs like really excited little kids and wake up Ernesto from that. They're like, Ernesto, Ernesto. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, what is it? (laughs) They tell him that they found his parents and they're coming to get him. Yeah. Oh, he's so excited. And but they're like, we need your help with one more thing. Do you know some of the names of the other men that Brett sent you to? He just said he didn't know any names, but there was a doctor who would come to the house when they were sick and he was very nice and never touched them. They show him some pictures and ask him to pick out who he recognized. And he's like, there he is. And it's fucking Dr. Lynch. Okay. Mm. Okay. So now we're, you know, we're in the squad. We're in part. We got the whole thing with the dry erase board. The whole gang is fucking spitballing about what's up with Lynch. This dude's never been married and he has three adopted sons. Mm. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, my guess is he killed Brett because he was upset with how he treated Jose and Ernesto because of the whole Nambla, like, it's about love thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyways, Lynch is a reconstructive surgeon at Chelsea Hospital and is sort of known for working on disfigured kids in third world countries. So now they're on to Will Arnett's character, aka Tony Damon. He owns a travel agency called Global Voyages. He's single, no kids. There's a lot of phone calls between them the night Brett was murdered. At almost 11 p.m., Brett made a 30-second phone call to Lynch, probably in a fucking panic when he came home and found Ernesto and Jose gone. Brett then called Damon and talked for two minutes. Then Damon called Lynch for 20 seconds. Benson tells him that custom says that Brett traveled to Guatemala two years ago about the same time Ernesto was brought here. Fucking Damon is setting up his friends on sex tours, and then they're fucking bringing back, quote, souvenirs, and then passing these fucking kids around to their friends. They have to go to Lynch's house and get those fucking kids out, like, now. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler are at a restaurant talking to Cabot, who was looking mighty fine. Oh. She's obviously in the middle of a date. Her hair's down and gorgeous. She has a really pretty, like, red dress on, which is really cool to see her in, like, sexy red, I guess. Yeah. Or, like, classic red. And not, like, grays or nudes. Yeah. She also has the girls out hard. And I'm like, yeah. fucking va 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 voom. Talk about a wooga. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so Benson and Stabler are there, like, crashing this date while this dude's in the bathroom or something. I love that they hunted her down, but also I'm like, oh, no, can any of them ever get away from their very important jobs? The answer is no. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler tell that they don't know if the boys are legally adopted or not. She's trying to get them to get a warrant, like, now, but she's like, I need info. Like, tell me what, you know, I don't have anything. They could be, like, legally adopted and, like, what the fuck. They actually, all, all three boys go to public schools, too. There also isn't any abuse complaints. Right. All that they really have is Lynch not reporting Jose's abuse, like, when he was sewing up his butt, you know? Right. All of a sudden, you hear a voice behind them that says, mm, an A misdemeanor with no priors is argue for a fine and no jail time. Benson and Stabler, like, turn around and they're like uh oh and then Benson's like I think Cabot is dining with the enemy and I'm like fuck off oh my god it's fucking lawyer Trevor who's that is that Benson's husband yeah in real life that was the big okay. that was the big reveal what do you mean the big reveal I thought he's been in a bunch of episodes no that's lawyer Trevor Langan Cabot is on a date with Trevor Langan and that's, that's why Benson said I think Cabot's dining with the enemy because it's her husband in real life I don't know. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm going to slow this down and I'm going to break it down. So, oh, there you are. 
please though actually why are you insulted you don't <laughs> get what's happening i'm gonna I explain don't. it <laughs> i don't know who her husband is but i do know and when he turned around i was like that guy's a fucking babe i bet you that's his, her husband in the show trevor langan is a lawyer who always defends pieces of shit against cabot mm-hmm. and now they're on a date question mark Mm -hmm. so she's caught on a date with this dude who defends dirtbags okay and she's the ada like it's it's in poor taste if it's nothing else but so when he comes in and he's like "Mm, i don't know a misdemeanor blah 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 blah, and benson's like i think cabot's dining with the enemy (gasps) this was supposed to be a gasp moment but is that benson's husband in real life yes okay cool IRL, that is Mariska Hargitay's husband. But in this scene, and this is why I I love watching this now, like, I just, I think I posted it or storied it or whatever on our Instagram during this time, because he comes in and he's like Cabot's love interest here, right? Mm -hmm. But IRL, he's backstage with fucking Cabot. What's her name in real life? Stephanie March. And he's like, hey, I'm kind of into Mariska. And it's like, really hard to be in scenes with her and she's like oh my god you guys should go on a date together oh is that real? so it's just nice because he's like crushing on marishka and they're having this like face off is that mm. real for real that, yeah that yes yeah no i'm not like making up their love story like this is what like stephanie march did this interview where she talks about it and she was like yeah it was really cute because like he's my love interest in the show but he was talking about having a crush on her and stuff and it was just so oh. great mm. anyway okay. so yeah um, it's fucking trevor Langan. oh my god Uh, okay Cabot's like can you give us two minutes to her date he's like yeah I'll go watch the game at the bar (laughs) do you want to join me (laughs) Mirishka so Cabot's like I need some fucking hard evidence Benson hands her email receipts from Lynch and Damon about going overseas to fucking molest kids Cabot says that they gotta catch him in the act here we go Oh, at Global Voyages, John Munch is undercover as Mr. John Blackman. Munch is confirming his, quote, special trip to the Philippines that he emailed Damon about. So Damon's like, first of all, how did you get my email? And Munch says that it was from one of their friends, but didn't want to name names. Yeah, he goes from a friend of ours, which is the way the mafia refers to the inside dudes. Remember last week? Mm -hmm. Remember when we talked about the mafia? Mm-hmm, I do. Can we do that instead uh, of this? Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> uh, Damon said that he checked his credit report and it was all great, but wants to see Munch's ID to make sure he is who he says he is for both of their protection. And then this just turned into a Credit Karma commercial. Yeah, he checked his ID so fast. It was like... He barely looked at it. I've had my ID looked at harder when I buy wine at Target and I'm mm-hmm. almost 40. Right. Everything checks out, so they start talking details. Munch would like to get the standard two-week package with hotel, dinners, and entertainment. Munch asks about the, quote, entertainment, and Damon says, do you like boys or girls or both? And then Munch says, oh, he's so creepy. It's probably so hard for him to do this, too. I know. You mean the character? Yeah. Yeah. And then Munch smiles and is like, boys age 11 to 13. Damon gets fucking right into it. He says, great, we work with an orphanage with kids age five and up, and you'll get a videotape to, quote, cherish the memory. And Munch is like, great, and hands Damon 5K in cash because he didn't want to leave a paper trail. Damon asks him when he wants to travel and if there's another name he'd prefer to use besides Mr. Blackman. Munch says, as a matter of fact, I do, John Munch, but you can call me detective. And then, boom, I was like, boom! That was awesome. 
It was you know? awesome. It was yeah. so great. He's like, actually, I do. Munch, but you could call me a detective. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Get him in your linen suit, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he whips out his badge super weird. He was like, he did hold it weird. <laughs> his did, wrist yeah. was bent in a way that's not human. Yeah. You're like, you don't do this often because you're acting. You're not a real detective. <laughs> yeah. He's like, put your hands behind your back. And Will Arnett stands up and he's like, this is entrapment. It was very. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Munch is like, nope. Conspiracy. Wink. Now. Get up. Now. And he's just yeah. hard screaming at him. Yeah. Oh. And then the whole gang busts in and he says, nobody move. And they're going to snag the computers and files. Why am I waving my hands like this? Like, nobody move. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they're above my head. Like, it was an intense moment. It was. That was an, an awesome fucking setup and delivery, too. Actually, yeah. You can go my detective. <laughs> he's like, oh, this is fucking perfect. So in an interrogation room, fucking Damon is hiss. And he asks Munch and Toots what, quote, conspiracy he's being charged with. They're like, I'm facilitating rape of children in foreign countries, you fucking idiot. And he's like, well, there's no state law against it. And then Damon's like, the federal statutes require proof of of a sex act. They need a victim. How are you going to find a victim? And you see Stabler start to, like, roll up his sleeves. You don't see Stabler's head or anything. You just see his hands. He starts (laughs) to, like, roll up his sleeve. And you're like, fuck, something's going to happen. Dad's pissed. Yeah, he's extra pissed because he's a dad. And Cragen's like... Um, excuse me. I'm, I'm dad. You're just a dad. Yeah, I am the dad. like, we'll talk about it later. Right now, we're all mad. And they're all rolling up their sleeves. Everybody in the precinct is rolling up their sleeves at the same time. And they actually are about to perform a number about it. But then we have to get back to this. And uh, Stabler's like, you fucking Nambla piece of shit. And he didn't say any of that. But Damon's like, I'm not fucking with Nambla. Gross. They're freaks. (laughs) Oh, gross. Munch asks him how many boys they pass around. And he's like, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. And then fucking Stabler grabs this guy and throws him up against the window. And then he fucking kidney punches him. And Munch is like, dude, fucking (laughs) chill. And Stabler is like, you think you're smarter than me? You think I'm a fucking idiot? You think I don't know what's going on? (laughs) He's like, Munch, get off me. And he does. Damon's like, I need a doctor. And Stabler's like, you're going to need a fucking morgue, pal. He's so fucking pissed. And he's got Damon's head up against the window thingy. And he's like whisper screaming, you're nothing but a little pimp who sells children. You sent Brad in a sex tour. Him and his friend made a video doing a 10-year-old boy. Stop saying doing a when you're talking yeah. about anything. Also, just an aside, the updated language for pimp in any capacity is sex trafficker. Pimping has been romanticized and takes away the severity of the crime, mm. much like the term child pornography does. So I didn't know that. I know that you were you were quoting him, but yeah, yeah. yeah the, um, I didn't know that. Good. Yeah. I learned I learned that like recently i like that because yeah pimp definitely has been romanticized oh yeah big time for sure damon says he doesn't know about any friend in the video or anything he doesn't have he didn't have anything to do with lynch and brett smuggling kids back damon admits he's booked a couple dozen sex tours for people but he swears he doesn't like little kids and he's just in it for the money stabler tells him that he's gonna be on fucking death row for killing brett then they tell him about brett missing his junk they're like remember you told us that fucking story in the most will arnett voice ever he stops and goes that rat bastard (laughs) yeah damon said that he told lynch about the joke that brett made about cutting off his fucking balls yeah and he's using it to set him up so lynch handpicked jose for brett then brett wanted lynch to give him his money back after ernesto and her jose escaped 
these are people. You know what I mean? They're fucking kids. They're oh, right. my money back. My product ran away. Like mm. it's so fucked. Yes. Anyways, so the last time he talked to Lynch was before Brett died. Lynch called about wanting to know where his videotape was, and Damon said it was on his way. Damon's all worked up, and he's like, "Oh my god, uh, make me a deal. I'll give you Lynch on a fucking silver platter." Mm-hmm. And then he made this like a Will Arnett face. I don't know. Yeah, the whole time he made a Will Arnett face. It was well, he so was good. Just, like, the very end was just like <sighs> when he does that. Like I'm a pathetic little puke. You know? <laughs> yeah. He's also breathing super hard this whole scene, which I thought was funny at first, but then I was like, no, he just got his fucking ass beat by Stabes and he's terrified that he's going to be categorized the same way as these dudes which sorry you put yourself there you piece of shit but he's like Mm -hmm. I'll make a deal with you I'll give you lunch on a silver platter oh my god I'm going to be peeing blood my kidneys ruptured did you hear the punch noise was it another bag of sand yeah it was the exact same as it sounds when you get punched (laughs) in the face apparently (laughs) (laughs) On the other side of the glass, Cabot tells Craig that these sex tours are federal and she like doesn't really want to cut this guy a deal. She's like, I'm not going to give him immunity or really anything because he's a piece of shit and we maybe don't even need him to get Lynch. Maybe they can intercept the sex tape in the mail. Ooh. So outside of Lynch's apartment, Toots tells the gang that the post office just dropped the package off and Lynch scooped it up about 15 minutes ago. They fucking bang on the door and these three, these three little boys answer the door all together. Benson talks to them in Spanish. So Lynch is in the study. They bust in with a warrant for the tape. And it's fucking playing in the background. Yeah, he's watching it when they come in. So it's him with his shirt on, lying on a bed with a kid who's eating like a salad or something. I don't, and, yeah, I, it doesn't matter. It's just yeah, a video with him and a kid. I didn't want to be like, he's laying in bed doing, like they're they're just sitting there. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they, well, they don't show, obviously. Obviously they're, they don't. They're but alluding like, right, to what it, like we know what this fucking yeah. tape is. I know. I just want him to eat a salad and go home. That's it. They handcuffed him and he's like, I have adoption papers for my kids. They're legit. And he like does not want to talk without a lawyer. And Slaver grabs the tape out of the VCR and says, I'm sure this says it all. That's fucking right. In a cell, Cabot is talking to Lynch and his lawyer. Hey, Lynch's lawyer, take your fucking shirt off. (laughs) Also, uh, the lawyer comes back to SVU in 2011. So Stabler's hanging out in the background. Cabot tells the lawyer that the adoption papers for the three boys are all fucking forged, which I assumed as soon as he was like, I've got adoption papers for all of them, which are very legitimate. Stabler says that they also found the INS agent who forged them along with Jose and Ernesto's papers. This guy's saying that he would never force his sons to do anything they didn't want to do. And Stabler gets like visibly pissed. We all understand the implication here is that he is trying to say that this was something by choice for them as well. mm -hmm. Cabot's like, are you fucking kidding me? You're not seriously going to bring this Namba shit to court, are you, guy? And the lawyer who doesn't have a soul, who was an extra in the devil's advocate, which he wasn't, but this kind of idea makes me feel like he was. He's like, well, the boys will testify that it's all true. Okay, that doesn't even fucking matter. Where in what court? In what court you know. do they allow a kid to sit on the stand and go, "I wanted X, Y, and Z to happen"? No, that's not Dude, what the law I is. I feel like this this lawyer was given this case and was like, "Are you fucking kidding?" I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying because I. What can I do? Oh, uh, right. the boys will testify it's true, and he's like, "Stupid." It's like I know this isn't a thing. Ugh. Lynch says that he never passed his kids around to his buddies either. And Cabot's like, "The jury's gonna lock you up and throw away the key. Mm-hmm. These boys cannot." 
not consent to statutory fucking rape. So Lynch's lawyer is like, oh my God, my argument didn't work. Shit. Um, can we get my stupid, stupid argument didn't work. My argument that doesn't make any sense in a court of law didn't work. And I went to school for this. Ugh. He's like, can we get sex abuse three for the kids and immunity on federal charges? Jesus. And Cabot's like, you're stupid. No, she's like, if that's what you think we're going to do, I need more. Lynch said mm-hmm. that Damon's the one smuggling in the boys. And they're like, oh my God, is he one of your Nambla dudes? And Lynch is like, no, he's not a Nambla member. The kids are just merchandise to him. He brought in six boys a year on a chartered sailboat. Oh my God. Lynch tells Cabot that he'll give them the names of everyone he knows. Stabler asks what Brett said to him on the phone the night of the murder. And Lynch is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I didn't kill anybody. And Cabot's like, my guy, you surgically removed his balls. And he's like, I told you I was in surgery. And Mm -hmm. Sailor's like, you're a liar. No, you weren't. We called the hospital. And he's like, wrong hospital. I was in Rochester. And Sailor's like, oh, Jesus. So they need to check that out. Yeah. In the precinct, Munch and Toots are shoving a middle-aged white dude into a cell. He's mm-hmm. protesting, saying, I would never do two men and a boy. And Munch and I yell in unison, prove it, take your shirt off. Like, we all know what we're doing here. <laughs> Munch and yeah. Toots got a ton of the dudes Lynch ratted on in the cells. Everyone's like, I want my lawyer. Toots tells everybody that he's getting a court order to have them stripped and photos taken to figure out who it was in the movie. Fucking finally, they're going to get their shirts off. Mm -hmm. They need to see whoever has these fucking tattoos. So far, they've got 17 dudes. All of them say that Damon set up their, quote, adopted children. There are also 14 kids so far. ACS is setting all of the kids up in temporary foster homes. Stabler's fucking pissed because he knows that none of these pervs are going to do nearly as much time as whoever killed Brett, which is true. So true. Yeah. I mean, Cabot literally said earlier it was like 10 years for kidnapping a smuggled child. Like 10 years for kidnapping and smuggling a child from a different... Like, okay. Mm -hmm. That's it. Uh, I feel like that's not a lot of time. It's it's not a lot of time. So it turns out Lynch's alibi checked out. He was doing a surgery in Rochester. The doctor report came back on Lynch's kids. Yeah, they've been sexually abused. Duh. Mm -hmm. They're also in excellent health otherwise with perfect teeth. Eye contact between Stabler and Benson. Eye contact. Mm -hmm. Is it the same dentist? Because he knows medical shit. Dentist Walt isn't part of the sex tour ring, nor does he go to the club everyone goes to to rock climb and drink smoothies. Mm -hmm. Um, But that doesn't mean shit, though. Yeah. All these little rings have their own people that do stuff for them you know right and the the cells could mean that he's a part of it in some way just not what they have been able to find Mm -hmm. in his personal life he has two kids and a wife they need to find out how many of these fucking smuggled kids went to him for dental work if there's a pattern there's enough for a warrant we'll cut to his fucking house they must have found a pattern they're certain his wife is there she's confused as hell her real name is kate skinner and her whole demeanor and face and outfit look exactly how you would picture a woman named kate skinner mm-hmm. the whole gang csi everybody they're running around this fucking house stabler asked the wife where the dentist was two nights ago and she says that he had an emergency patient at 9 30 at night oh my god bet that one isn't gonna clear uh-huh Benson sees photos of her kids and she's like, oh, look at these cuties. They look a lot Mm -hmm. like you, but not like your husband. Why is that? And she goes, well, they are from a previous marriage. Their dad's in Attica for trying to kill me. 
And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, this lady's been through it. Yep. Dentist Walt adopted the boys. She met Walt because she put a personal ad in the paper and he answered it. I think she was like embarrassed about the personal ad thing. Mm. Little did she know that everything is going to be fucking dating apps in the future. Yeah. Remember when it was a thing? It was a thing that people were like embarrassed about. Like, oh, I was just going to say that. And it's like, like, it's not embarrassing. You anymore. used to have to use, if you actually stay together, I remember people saying like, oh, we met here. But then they're like, we actually met online because they were embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. Now it's like. I'm glad that's different now. But yeah. anyway, she put a personal ad in the paper. He answered it. That's how their relationship started. Benson asks her how her relationship has been with him lately. And she starts crying. She's like, Walter's so great. Our relationship isn't even about sex. He rescued me and my boys. He's wonderful. Fucking red mm. flag, bro. Mm-hmm. She says that he pays attention to her older son, Sean, the most. Stabler pauses, looks at her. You can see the wheels turning in her head and she starts to get it and says, oh my God, what has he done? Mm -hmm. And I love that this is her reaction. Me too, because a lot of times people are like... In denial immediately. No, there's no way that couldn't be, you know, Mm -hmm. until you literally like have a video and they're like, it's CGI. And they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. In the precinct, Stabler's talking to Sean in a room. This kid is actor Gideon Jacobs. Okay. He was in You've Got Mail, Wet Hot American Summer. Who was he in Wet Hot American Summer? I don't remember. I just wrote it down because I was like, we love that movie. Um, Yeah. But yeah, he played some kid. I don't know. Mr. Deeds, Home Alone 4, which I wasn't even aware of. I wonder if Uncle Frank is in it. Uncle Frank. Bow, bow, bow. I'm going to make him an Easter egg in every episode now. There, There's there's a six degree. Fuck Kevin Bacon. Okay. <laughs> it's Uncle Frank. Anyway, this guy quit acting at 18 to pursue other stuff. And he's done like a bunch of stuff since then. But no more acting things. Yeah. I think he just he just played a kid at the camp, but yeah. he did he oh, did yeah. have a like accredited role. But I'm I wondering there was they were at a camp. With yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering if that's where you recognize him from. Could be. Yeah. So Stabler's talking to this kid, and he asks him if he misses his dad, and he's like, "No, you know, I don't really miss my dad. Walt is our new dad now." So Stabler's just kind of asking him like regular questions, like, "What do you guys do when you hang out?" And he's like, "Oh, we play baseball, and you know, whatever." And he coaches my soccer team, blah, blah blah. On the other side of the glass, you see Craig and Benson Cabot and Mom are watching. Stabler asks him what they do when they're alone together, and Sean gets a little fidgety. He's like, well, he said I could never tell anyone. They wouldn't understand. And Stabler is super chill, soups chill, and tells him that he he's like, I understand. Like, you don't have to be afraid. So the music starts swelling up, and Sean says that Walt likes to stay with him at night in his room. Mom on the other side of the glass starts to cry, and Benson's face is like, ugh. Stabler asks him if he ever touched him anywhere. And it seems kind of hard for Stabler to ask him that. He says it in a weird way. Like, I have to do this. This is my job. I don't really want to hear this, you know? Yeah. I didn't love that they had Stabler. I've done this before. I've said this before with like... Like, why isn't it Olivia? Victims victims of child sex abuse that are abused by men. I don't Mm -hmm. understand why Stabes is talking to him and not Olivia. Just like, I mean, Wong wanted Olivia to talk to Ernesto. I know. I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm watching it through the eyes of a kid going... You you get it because you're gonna do something to me. Right. I, I just I just didn't yeah. see how it was appropriate to have him, but it's also a TV show. So yeah. So Sean says one night Walt just came in his room and said he wanted to be near him and just climbed in his bed. He didn't touch him that night, but he does now. Dentist Walt told Sean that that's how fathers are supposed to love their sons. So Stabler tells him that it's not Sean's fault and that 
what Walt is doing is wrong. And Sean says, I know, but Walt takes care of my mom and we don't have to live in a shelter anymore. And then you see mom is like legit sobbing behind the glass. Like, can you imagine like you have these children and you take care of them and want them to not have to hurt. And here they are enduring some like terrible shit because they want to take care of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like little kids. Ugh. Oh, I know. And kids mm. and like I could see not putting myself in that position because I can't emotionally do it. But like mm-hmm. I know I know my son mm-hmm. and how Jacoby there are times where he's like he hasn't ha- been in the position to have to protect me. But emotionally but he would. He does he does emotionally these things where I have to remind him that he's the kid and he doesn't but he he definitely mm-hmm. yeah he definitely would um and that's why if anything ever happened to John I'm going to be single for the rest of my life mm-hmm. yep wait till they're fucking 18 you and da- you want to date me if my husband's gone you never get to fucking meet my kids ever yep you can meet my kids as adults when they're 18 in yep. a supervised location <laughs> never yeah you could seem like a great guy. I bet you are. I fucking bet you are. They, I mean, this is like a classic, like they prey on divorced women mm-hmm. with children. And widows. Uh, yeah. And like in this situation, this woman was in, I, I'll get into it in the, in the chaser, but it's like right. the victims that they go after need them in one regard. Right. Sean continues and he says, I'm sorry. I am. I realized I am screaming. I am screaming. Oh. I'm like, <laughs> they need them. <laughs> sorry. Sean continues and he says, my mom doesn't get beat up anymore. And Walt really loves us. So in the squad room, Stabler's mom and Sean walk out of the room just when Munch and Toots walk out with Walt. Yeah, fucking right. That would never happen. Yeah, fucking right. Walt creepily walks by and smiles at Sean and even does a fucking like look back. Super long, creepy eye contact. Yeah. In an interrogation room, Stabler comes in and apologizes for keeping Walt waiting, which I was like, okay. And I'm like, oh, he's doing that fucking thing. Sorry about that. Boop-a-boo. I'm like, oh, I like that they're doing that. They're mixing it up. Yeah. Uh, Stabler says that the way that the other detectives dragged Walt out of his office, like, quote, some criminal, was a big mistake, and he's really sorry for that. He's like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Stabler's doing that, like, I'm a cool guy who probably, like, likes boys too shit. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he does, he's just trying to relate to this guy. I don't right. know how anybody ever falls for that shit, but whatever. It's it's so blatant. Yeah. Walt's like, oh, I saw you talking to Sean. Like, what did he say? And Stabler's like, oh, you know, he was just telling us how much you love him and his brothers and mom. Just then, Benson busts in and is like, look, Elliot, we gotta move on this. And Stabler's like, look, I told you I'm not wasting my time on that crap. You handle it. And Benson's like, fine, have it your way. And slams the door. And Stabler's like, my way? <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, Walt, let me just tell you about this stupid case. It's like a 14-year-old girl dating a 22-year-old dude. Completely consensual sex. And they want to lock up this poor guy for statutory rape and Walt's like yeah um yeah he shouldn't be penalized because of the girl's age she was just expressing natural sexual feeling Stabler's right? is like I fucking got him I got yeah. him and then Stabler leans in and says well I wish people who made the laws realized that it would make my fucking job a hell of a lot easier and Walter's like so you agree so you agree you think you're really you are pretty, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I love you I love you. And Stabler's like, look. I love you. We've both seen a very popular movie. I love you. (laughs) We're both quoting a very popular movie. Okay, so Stabler's like, look, we're all sexual beings, children, adults, you know. That's why I'm thinking this, like this whole thing with you is a misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Or Walt's like, what do you mean? Stabler's like, girl, I'll just tell you, fuck it. I'll (laughs) spill the tea to you. You know, and he's like acting like he's a buddy who gets it. 
Right. Like, like, we're just having a private conversation. This isn't an interrogation room. You're being recorded or watched. He's like, don't tell anybody. Nobody's behind that glass or anything. Craig is <laughs> back there with just a ton of Chinese food. Like, oh, my God. He's falling for all this trash. <laughs> so Sailor's like, my colleagues brought you in here because they think you're sexually abusing your boys. Now, I've busted my share of child abusers. And I am not getting that vibe from you. Walt says, I would never do anything to hurt my boys like that. And Stabler's like, I believe you. I think we both understand it's about love. You love your boys. You treat them with respect, not like Brett Jansen. He beat his sons and locked them up. Mm-hmm. You treated Jose. You know what he did to him. Walt said, yeah, he had bruises all over his body. Brett Jansen does not love those boys. Stabler says, he forced Ernesto and Jose to have sex with him. Between you and me, I think Brett got what he deserved. He, like, does a zip your lip thing. Don't tell anybody. Nobody's listening. Right? <laughs> Jesus. Then the music gets all swelly again, and I'm like, is he seriously going to tell him everything? <laughs> and he does. Yeah. He's a doctor. And he <laughs> just does it. He has a, a lot of education. He allegedly has the ability to... <laughs> reason? Make reasonable decisions. Allegedly. Allegedly. Hey, other adult, I've been super wary of everyone my entire life because I'm a social fucking pariah and a predator. But this (laughs) short conversation tells me that I can be open with you. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. In the cell. In the cell with two-way glass. (laughs) Craig is just like... (laughs) What? I couldn't hear you over me slurping my low mane. Yum. (laughs) Walt leans in and says, his punishment was especially appropriate don't you think and then stabler smiles and kind of like furrows his brow and he's like do you know how he was killed and walt laughs and says i just know that he hurt those little angels welcome to jurassic park what i'd like to take his face off he says it's called angels and he gets oh, to say oh it oh my gosh I was like what are you talking about what if this is as good as it gets <laughs> I'm Howard Hughes, the aviator. You ever hear of double jeopardy? We can't get in the panic room. Oh, my God. That's what that was from. I was like, what are you? She texted me that right before we fucking got on the on the podcast thing. And I was like, what? She's like, never mind. I'm like, "Okay." (laughs) you're making a reach for this. But I am not. He said he said that anyway. Okay. Stabler all of a sudden grabs his arm and pulls up a sleeve and there's a USN tattoo on his forearm. Fucking finally. Stabler says, what's with this tattoo I've seen on a videotape? And what about that glass from Brett's apartment we found in your sneaker, which we don't know anything about? Yeah. What am I, a fucking idiot? Then he... (laughs) Right in the candies. (laughs) Come on, you killed Brett. Why does Stabler consistently say this? Do you notice that? No, he's like... (laughs) No, he's like... It just feels like a bit of an insecurity to me. So constantly he's like, what do you think? I'm some dumb cop. You think you're better than me? Do I look like an idiot to you? I know a thing or two about a thing or two. I appear pretty smart, don't I? Tell me I'm a good boy. (laughs) Okay. Walt says he ruined it for everybody. I had to make sure he never hurt another little boy again. And Stabler Mm -hmm. says, and I'm going to make sure you never do either. You're under arrest for the murder of Brett Jansen and for sexually abusing your son. Walt stands up and he's like, no, I didn't force Sean. He gets up. Stabler's like walking towards him for the rest of the scene. Yeah. The guy's backing into a corner. I was just like, this was great. And he's like, he seduced me. How could I deny him? Oh my God. How fucking gross. Yeah. I never beat him like Brett beat his boys. It's not the same thing. Like I said, Stabler slowly has this guy backed into a corner. And Stabler says, no, it's worse. 
you had sex with your stepson. I'm sorry, it was not sex, but right. you raped your stepson and you don't think there's anything wrong with that? What kind of fucking sick bastard are you? Also, just on first time appearances, do I seem like a guy who knows his way around an IQ test? Do I seem pretty smart? I seem pretty smart, don't I? <laughs> Tell me I know stuff. You sick fuck. Toyota! 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 Toyota's like, um, not this time. We have nothing to <laughs> so do like, with this. Can you guys stop? In 1995, the United States enacted a law that bans traveling abroad for the purpose of sexual abuse of children. Marvin Hirsch was born in New Jersey in 1939. He attended some of the best schools and earned two degrees from MIT and his doctorate of engineering at USC. He became a professor of mathematics and operations management who specialized in complicated scheduling and routing formulas for airlines and cruise companies. His work took him to Japan, South Korea, Australia, and Switzerland before becoming a professor at Emory University in Atlanta. In 1972, Hirsch married Wendy Colby. Over 10 years, they had twin boys and a little girl. By the mid-80s, the two were divorced, and Hirsch moved to Boca Raton, Florida, where he became a professor there. A pretty big contributing factor to the divorce was the fact that Hirsch attempted to sexually abuse his eight-year-old nephew three times in 1984. He had admitted... What did you think this was going to be about? I don't know. Maybe he... You know, they went to Florida, they saw some manatees, and then we went to fucking back to work. He had admitted to approaching. I'm just, I just want to get through it. I had to read enough about this piece of shit. He had admitted to approaching him. It's in the divorce records that Hirsch spoke with a court-appointed psychologist and admitted to being sexually attracted to prepubescent boys and had acted on those impulses on multiple occasions. So all they could do with this information was to restrict his visitation with his own kids. Wendy got Mm -hmm. custody and Hirsch got supervised visitation with no overnight stays. After Mm -hmm. this, Hirsch sought treatment and it was determined that his impulses were at a time of, quote, extreme stress and loneliness and were never directed toward his own children. So just to repeat this how I hear it, even though he had been attracted to little kids since he was 14, he found a doctor to sign off on his lame excuse of exterior stressors for his own abusive impulses. Right. And the only children safe around him are his own. Okay. Right. In the early 1990s, Hirsch was traveling to meet young boys for sex. That is what it said in these articles. But because these kids are under the age of consent, I will be calling it child sex abuse. It's not sex. It's different than that. Yeah. Sex implies something else. I don't know who I'm yelling at, but... Everybody. I'm sorry, guys. And you should. Yelling at everybody. I mean... He traveled to Honduras and abused, by record, about a dozen boys. It was always the same story. He would use his money and influence. While there in 1994, he approached a 14-year-old boy named Moises Ramirez. Moises was one of many kids living in poverty, hustling odd jobs to make ends meet for his family. Moises had offered to watch Hirsch's car while Hirsch was in a restaurant. This is something that a lot of kids did to make money. They would just kind of like hang by and make sure nobody fucked with their car. Instead, Hirsch invited Moises to eat with him. They ate at the restaurant, then went to Hirsch's luxury hotel. Hirsch bought Moises clothes the next day and then got Moises to take him to his house to meet his little brothers and the rest of the family, but especially his little brothers, Erlen, Juan, and David. They ranged in age from 8 to 16. The home in which they lived was a total of about 25 people and was a small one-room house. It had a thatched roof and dirt floors and was constructed of dried mud. They lived 
deep in one of the poorest countries in the Western world. These boys had seen the gifts and clothes that Moises had received and were hoping to also be on the receiving end of these things they otherwise wouldn't have access to. One of the older brothers, Jose, said that Hirsch came in and hugged everyone, saying he was going to be friends with the whole family. Hirsch asked their mom if he could take them traveling with him. Maria Ramirez, the boy's mother, was a widow who had been married off at 12 years old herself, had given birth to 14 kids. Oh, Jesus. And only nine at this point had survived. She had very little to no education, living in survival mode, and here comes this American dude with money and opportunity for her kids. She thought he seemed like a good guy, mm -hmm. and she agreed to allow her boys to go with him, unaware of his intentions and unaware of what had already happened to Moises. The boys all eventually were being abused by Hirsch. Erlen later said, because, quote, as humble and poor people that we are, I thought that by doing that for some while, we would suffer directly, but later on, our family may change. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. This kid felt like it was his responsibility to take this abuse to take care of his family. And that's the position mm -hmm. he was put in by this fucking pedophile. Yeah. So Hirsch has this thing going on. Later, still in the early 90s, which is well known as a place pedophiles travel to to sexually abuse kids. Mm -hmm. The access to them is fucking staggering. Yeah. I've watched some documentaries and I was like, no. On this trip, he met Nelson J. Bueller, another child abusing piece of shit. This guy lived off the inheritance he received from his father who practiced law in Connecticut. He came from a well-off family, didn't have a fucking job, just traveled the world ruining people's lives. Mm -hmm. They, of course, hit it off and Hirsch showed Bueller all of his tricks to find and hide child sex abuse images on his computer, how to encrypt that shit so nobody would catch them, like all the little oh, secrets. Cool. He's got a little protege. Mm-hmm. Gross. He also told him about Honduras, Moises, and his brothers. Hirsch told Bueller that he just had to go there because it was so easy to find what he was looking for. On November 24th, 1994, these two fucking pukes traveled to Honduras together. Moises, Erlen, and Juan met them at the airport. As they traveled, Hirsch stayed with Moises and Erlen while Bueller stayed with Juan. And the abuse was constant. At one point, Hirsch told Erlen he needed to be performing oral sex on Bueller three times a day. Jesus. Mm -hmm. This went on for a couple years. They would show up take the boys along with some others at times and abuse them while they were there. They would take them to like different landmarks and traveling. But the main point of it is that they would go get these kids first and take them along with them as part of their vacation. Okay. There were occasionally two other unidentified men that accompanied these dudes as well, but they were never found in this case. In exchange, the boy's family was receiving $37 a month from rent from each of these guys. They would also get clothes, gifts, food, and their mom would be given money. Hirsch and Bueller moved the family to a cinder block farmhouse. And eventually some of the boys were even being sent to private school. They're put in a position where it's like, why would their mom not let them go? You know, mm -hmm. eventually Moises was not asked to come along anymore. I mean, after a couple years, obviously he was getting too old. Right. Juan then became Hirsch's quote favorite. By August of 1995, Hirsch had convinced the family of the many educational opportunities that would be in the States if they allowed Juan, now newly 15, to move to the U.S. with him. And they agreed. Hirsch mm -hmm. obtained a fake birth certificate, U.S. passport, and social security card for Juan. It listed him as John Anthony Hirsch, born in 1985 in Los Angeles, California. Okay. 
Hirsch brought Juan back home with him to Boca Raton, Florida, and Juan immediately loved the United States. He was making leaps and bounds at school. He was put in the fourth grade since his birth certificate said he was 10. He was actually 15 or 16 at the time, but a childhood of malnourishment had slowed his physical development, so he passed for a much younger age. He was in a soccer league. He was living in a beautiful home, but there was continual sexual abuse multiple times a week, and he was also being shown child sex abuse images by Hirsch. So Hirsch's ex-wife, Wendy, finds out about Juan. And she was like, oh, fuck no. She called the Florida Department of Children and Families. She reported that her ex-husband was a fucking pedophile and has this young boy living in his house. She's like, maybe you guys should check this shit out. Good. The Palm Beach County State's Attorney's Office got involved, and within weeks, Juan was removed from the house. Hirsch was brought in for questioning and denied absolutely everything and said that he truly believed Juan was his son as a result from a fling with his mom. DNA mm -hmm. proved otherwise, which is like, duh. There was also evidence because they found his mother, and Maria was interviewed, and she had never been to the U.S. Right. DFC got permission from Hirsch to search his apartment in April of 1997. Their investigators found a suitcase with hand-drawn maps of where to find boys in Kathmandu, Nepal. Notes on these maps included phrases like friendly boys here and boys swim naked here. They also included the Nepali translations for hello and penis. Ew. Oh, God. There were photos. There was also plenty of other evidence that would be used in court against Hirsch. From 1984 to 1990, Hirsch was abusing a boy in Atlanta. The boy lived with Hirsch for five of those years. Again, this boy was from a low-income neighborhood. Also, mid-80s, Hirsch was abusing two young boys from the Dominican Republic and one in Mexico. Also, in the early 80s, there was another boy in Honduras separate from Moises and his brothers. They all had extreme poverty in common, Hirsch used the same tactics with all of them. Gifts, food, presents, and financially helping their families. Mm -hmm. And the financial aid was not like, it would be like 30 bucks here, 50 bucks here, like a little gift, like the kids asking for things like a CD player, you know, stuff like that wasn't a big deal for him to get. Yeah. Which is like, that's why these kinds of families were targeted. Yeah. Investigators also found information leading them to Bueller through this search. So they went and arrested that piece of shit. In preparing for his defense, Hirsch was to be painted as a do-gooder who truly thought Juan was his son and the government had planted evidence and blah, blah, blah. But that was all fucked when Bueller pled guilty on his own charges and was then compelled to testify against Hirsch. In March of 1999, Hirsch was convicted on two counts of transporting a minor in foreign commerce with the intent of engaging in illegal sexual activity. He was also convicted on one count of lying on an application for a social security card, one count of lying on an application for a U.S. passport, harboring an illegal alien, three counts of receiving child sex abuse images via computer, one count of possession of a computer disc with child sex abuse images, and one count of conspiring to travel in foreign commerce for the purpose of engaging in a sexual act with a minor. The last count actually made him the first person to be tried for this particular charge. Hmm. U.S. District Court Judge Alan Gold told Hirsch his crimes were, quote, at or near the very bottom of the rung of human behavior before sentencing the 60-year-old to 105 years, finishing with, quote, life in prison is the only sentence that will provide adequate protection of the community. Mm -hmm. He's now 82 and serving his sentence in the Federal Correctional Institution in Butner, North Carolina. 
And child molesters are always like isolated from general pop, right? Oh, yeah. He was in protective custody with Bernie Madoff until Madoff died. I think it was the New York Times. There was something about like, oh, they have Scrabble games every night. This fucking guy. He was also with um, Carmine Persico. So it's a wide range, but he is like gross, 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 gross. And he will die in prison. Hmm. So fun times fun episodes are fun with my best friend this is fun doing this together for fun <laughs> next week we have steven's steven even steven next week fuck svu we're just starting to recap the show even steven <laughs> was that a nickelodeon who's, yeah who was that little turd that was in it that's i don't i have no idea yeah he was um he's like he was in like he's famous now he was in uh all those movies with the robots. What the fuck are they called? The car robots. The car robots. Transformers. Yeah. What's his name? Machine Gun Kelly. No. What? <laughs> no, because he's uh, yeah. He's banging Megan. Megan Fox, Fox was in it. Transformers. Oh my God, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, he was the main character in that. One of the kids, the sister. Anyways, next week we have season four, episode seven, Dolls. The detectives try and solve a shitty ass murder of a young girl whose killer had a weird-ass obsession with dolls. I think I remember this one. Oh, I don't like how that sounds. It doesn't sound fun. <laughs> it'll, it'll be fun. Let's make it fun. All right. Yeah, let's, let's make it fun. <laughs> Follow us on uh, social medias at SVUPod. Join the group on Facebook, SVUPod Elite Squad. Check out our Patreon. We've got all kinds of great stuff also email us at suupod at gmail.com and hashtag little bit loud check out little bit loud pods all right love you bye love you bye oh no i gotta sneeze achoo 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 okay those were fucking classic sneezes jeez hachoo i I feel like i had a whole achoo in there (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you could tell by now, but that's my joke for the for the episode. <laughs> Is it funnier that I explained it that I said that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Snape, that's who you sounded like. Snape. <laughs> Just do do the scene. To our elite squad patrons, Haley K, Sonia W, Jenny S. Sky K, Marissa M, Elkie H, Sarah A, Annie G, Mary D, fucking Andrew, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, Kate H, Uyana, Nicole R, Julia P. Sapphire. Kayla. Allison B. Catherine M. Kate P. Jessica S. Nicole M. Acacia V. Danielle W. Kelsey D. Jana M. Tammy J. Sarah G. Crystal. Lucy M. Trisha S. Sam D. And Laura D. We love and appreciate you. You're awesome. You guys are the best. And you know what's great is that they are hearing every single inside joke so it's not just jokes between me and you anymore mm-hmm. it's like we have like a whole little group of people that know all of them as well yeah. it's just fun it's i didn't fun. even think of that it's fun <laughs> oh we have a good time okay <laughs> <laughs> all right love you bye okay love you bye